At 18 years old, his country was invaded. At 25 years old, he was taken prisoner from his home country. At 30, while in captivity, he was chosen to be a representative, and he was initially called to speak judgment against his very own people who were in captivity with him. At the age of 37, his country completely fell into enemy hands. The capital, the major cities were completely destroyed. The infrastructure was torn down. The temple where they worshipped every day was decimated. At that point, his message turned from judgment to consolation and hope. Israel was in captivity. God had meted out His punishment and Ezekiel was serving at His prophet. It was at the lowest time of his nation that he was called to prophesy to his people. God had chosen Ezekiel, but it was a a difficult time to say the least. Ezekiel chapter 36, starting in verse 16, says this, Again, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and by their actions. Their conduct was like a woman's monthly uncleanliness in my sight. So I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land and because they had defiled it with idols. I dispersed them among the nations, and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. And whatever they went out among the nations, they profaned my holy name. For it was said of them, these are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave His land. I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations where they had gone. Therefore say to the house of Israel, this is what the Sovereign Lord said, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. Can you imagine that this is what you're called to speak to your very own people after you have watched the destruction of your own country? In 605, Nebuchadnezzar invaded. And it was there that they originally began uh, putting their thumb under the nation of Israel. And then in 597, Ezekiel and several others were carried off into captivity. But then in 586, all hope was lost when the temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was left in ruins. What would be left for God's people? What hope would there be for them when God, who was the one who would be there for them, said, you have profaned My name. You have been a disgrace. And you have been sent off into captivity. And still, you choose not to worship Me. 
Is there any hope left for the Israelites? Is there any good word that Ezekiel can speak on behalf of his people? Is there anything that God can or will do for a country that continued to profane his name? This is where we get to Ezekiel chapter 37. And if you've read anything from that chapter, uh, anything from that book, you definitely remember what takes place next. Listen to this. Starting in verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel says, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these dry bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. And Ezekiel says, you're crazy, this isn't going to happen. I mean, that's what you have to be thinking. Imagine the scene, I want you to imagine the scene. Walk into a valley, look, and you see piles and piles of bones. And the Lord speaks to you, and He says to you, He says, I want you to prophesy, Kyle, to these bones I want you to tell them that they're going to have tendons attached to the bones and it'll grow skin and I'm going to breathe breath into them and you're going to say, <laughs> right. And Ezekiel is being told by God that in this valley of dry bones, bones that have been left there for years to rot, no flesh is left on them. He says, I can breathe life into this valley into these bones, and they will come back to life. He says, then you will know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and Flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into the, the slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he had commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones 
are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle in you and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. What an amazing vision that he would have that God would take him out into this valley of dry bones. Just the, the thought. I mean, I just, I, I get kind of icky almost. Is that a word? Can I use that word? When you, when you hear the bones rattling together, I spent seven years in Sweetwater. If I'm in a valley and I hear something rattling, it's got to be a snake. And yet here these bones, they're making noise as they're starting to come together. Dry bones. There's no hope for those bones. And for some of us, there's no hope in our lives. Admittedly, I avoid many, most forms of media. And it's probably not healthy in the way in which I do it, but I just ignore it altogether. Occasionally, I'll look at the paper, but even then, I'm just like, really? Because what I keep reading over and over again is no hope. Lance and I talked about uh, his communion thought. Uh, I'm sorry, Michael Cheney and I talked about his prayer for this morning uh, just several days ago. And one of the things that we felt, that we sense, that we see, that we witness in our communities and out everywhere we go and in the newspaper and everywhere, all we see over and over again and hear is hatred. Hatred for other people. It, it's, I, I can't comprehend it. It doesn't make sense. I don't know why it happens, but somehow we take people who live in the same city, who are neighbors, they, they go to the same bank and they sit, go to the same grocery store and they, their kids go to the same high school, but they end up on a little bitty field with kids. And because the kids have one thing different, because they're wearing different colored shirts, hatred pours forth from their mouth. And they wish terrible things on the other team and will say terrible things to a six-year-old kid because he's or she's wearing a pink uniform rather than a yellow one. And we read in the newspapers and we watch on TV and we say there's really not a lot of hope. But there's a whole lot of hatred. And it's depressing. And it's frustrating. And sometimes, if you're like me, you want to stick your head in the sand and say, I'm just, I don't even want to deal with it. 
But you're here this morning because you believe in a God of dry bones. Right? That's why we're here. We believe that God can take bones laying out in a valley and He can put them back together. Notice what he does over and over again throughout the Bible. Nehemiah had his back against the wall as he's building a wall, as enemies are coming at him, and God rebuilt. Hosea had a wrecked marriage with an unfaithful wife, and God restored that marriage. Noah was living in a world that was filled with sin and every man's thought was on evil all the time and God renewed the world. David stood several heads below the giant in front of him and God rebooted Goliath and the Philistine as he gave victory to his people. Lazarus Four days dead, smelling in a tomb, and God revived. And Jesus, the Son of God, the one who was chosen to save us, was there dying, and God redeemed. Do you see what's going on here? God doesn't just allow dark nights to happen in our life. He uses them so that He might be glorified and so that you may know and your neighbors may know and the doctors will know and friends and family and strangers will know that He is God. Folks, we have a God who redeems and restores and renews and revives. Your marriage is in a wreck. So was Hosea's. And God said, I can redeem this relationship. You're struggling with your kids? God says, I can work powerfully through that. You're in an environment where people are talking about crazy stuff all the time? Of what's going on? Some of the things that's being talked about about what we're supposed to do and think and believe and accept. And you read this and you say, this isn't right. And sometimes you might throw down the newspaper and say, this is hopeless. A 17-year-old is thrown in jail for shooting a 15-year-old because they're goofing around at 4 in the morning. And God can restore. I don't care how crazy the politicians are. God can redeem this country. It doesn't matter how outlandish or liberal or conservative everybody around you may get. When we talk about guns or no guns or more guns, God can revive. But here's the deal. He's not going to use schools to fix the system. He's not going to create a gun law that's somehow going to fix everything. He's not going to tell somebody else down the street, 
He's not going to call on the PTA or the Boy Scouts. He has called us to be a part of the plan that redeems His people. Folks, I know it's terrible out there. Don't lose hope. He took a valley of dry bones and He put flesh on it. What can He do through you? I want to encourage you, never, ever give up. I want to close out by bragging just a little bit uh, on one of my kiddos. Uh, Gracie, our youngest one, uh, she just turned seven. She's in soccer, uh, and she's on a team, and we just absolutely love it. Have an amazing coach who's encouraging, is helping them out. And, and they've had some, some good games. They've had some tough games. Uh, there's one team in particular that, that they've played uh, several times, uh, and, and the nice way I can say is, is that Gracie's team has been drummed by this particular team. Really uh, tough team. In fact, if I remember correctly, the score the last time they played was 25 to two. That's that's a whole lot of scoring going on. Uh, it, it was a tough game. Uh, about a week ago, they played again, and they fought hard and they hustled. And Gracie, um, she's for a while she she has her mom's athletic ability. She can run super fast. She does what I like to call the dance. She'll run up. If the ball is by itself, she'll run up and kick the ball. But if somebody else is near the ball, she'll be there and then she'll just kind of do this whole thing. And the ball will be moving. She'll be kind of like dancing around. She doesn't want to get too close to it. And we talked to her. It's great that you're running, but you've got to get in there. And, and so here we are. We show up uh, and we had a deal with her. If if you um, if you win if you score a goal then we'll get you um, a fish, right? I'm not a pet person, but a fish we you know we could probably handle. So right, so we saw the team, and I'm thinking, well, we don't need a fish this time. And we we start fighting this team and playing hard. I mean that other team, they're they're great. They were respectful, great coaches, and and I could not at halftime. It was zero to zero. I have never, ever, ever been at a soccer game above, you know, in, in peewee level that it was zero to zero. I mean, you see that in professionals, but I mean, it was amazing. The defense, and there were so many times that one of the teams was going to score, and the, the other team just hustled back and got there and stopped the goal. And they kept going, they kept going, about five minutes left in the game, we're near their goal, and we're kicking around, and Gracie's hustling, and that ball pops out right in front of her, and she sees that, and she goes after that ball, and she boots that ball, and the next thing you know, it, it goes in the back of the net. Like, we, it was just, and she was so excited, uh, I think she was just excited about the fish as anything else, but she was super excited, and we're super excited. And the, the, the team stuck with it, and they fought, and that other team just kept coming after us and coming after us. And, I mean, it was just defense after defense. And every, at the last two minutes, they probably had 20 shots on goal. And we're there, I mean, our little girls were, like, throwing their bodies in front of that soccer ball and just trying really hard, whistle blew. And, and the crossfire team won one to zero. One to zero. It was an amazing game. Coach came up to our coach afterwards and said, hey, we've been, we have not lost a game in two years. That was the first game that they had lost. And, and they just didn't give up. 
I mean, both sides went out there and they tried. Don't give up. Even when you get beat 25 to 2, don't give up. And we had something better than a good defense. We've got a God who can take a valley of dry bones and bring it back to life. Lazarus, out from the tomb. David defeats the giant. Hosea and Gomer, their marriage is restored. Gideon defeats an army. Over and over again, God works powerfully through His Spirit that was alive in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and right here in your lives. Don't lose hope. Even when you see the valley of bones. Whether you're struggling in your marriage, in parenting, taking care of your own parents, maybe your, your work or in your retirement, you're struggling with what you're hearing in the news, remember, God is bigger. And He can make those bones rattle and bring them back to life. And that's what we want to offer to you this morning. If we can help breathe life into your life, we want to let you know we know someone who can do that. And we want to offer that invitation to you this morning as we stand and sing.